Today on Off the Cuff Declassified, Rudy Giuliani tells Robert Mueller's team he's ready to rip them apart. Fellow rebel and the Hollywood conservative Amanda Head joins me to discuss Hillary Clinton's $1 million speaking fee. A shooter at Trump Doral Golf Club here in Miami ranting about the president. Luckily, he was taken out by police before anyone was injured. And is there going to be a purge of the White House communications team because of the leaks? Sure looks like the case. Rudy Giuliani is not messing around. He was on Fox News this week with Laura Ingram, and he basically called out Robert Mueller's team in a way I haven't heard anybody call out Robert Mueller's team. Now, I am very, very happy that Rudy is going down this road. Very happy because president's former attorneys, John Dowd and Ty Cobb, were very, very soft, very soft. Rudy, when asked what the uh, timeline, when Laura Ingram asked Rudy Giuliani, what is your optimal timeline for this to wrap up? Giuliani said they should do it today. I mean, as soon as possible. I think they have the facts from which they can write their report. If you can write a fair report, fine, then write it. If you're not, if you're going to write an unfair report, write it and we will combat it. We're ready to rip it apart and we're ready to rip them apart if that's what they want. We'd rather peacefully settle this and get it over with. Good for him. Good for him. Now, Giuliani, this is from the Gateway Pundit story, but Giuliani discussed the Mueller investigation, and he said uh, that the guys on Mueller's team are so taking so long because, quote, maybe these guys, you know, figure they can't get a good job. End quote. He's right. They're living on the government dole. They've got a very nice, cushy deal right now. And why would they want to? Why would they want to stop this role? They've got unlimited power. They're making good money. Well, what gets really interesting is that Breitbart is now reporting that the inspector general's report is going to be damning. Now, I told you this through my sources, that the OIG report was going to be damning to the FBI. Paul Sperry, he was the former D.C. bureau chief of Investor Business Daily, Investors Business Daily, and now he's with the Hoover Institution as their media guy. But this is not some random guy on Twitter. He tweeted uh, yesterday, breaking. I.G. Horowitz has found, quote, reasonable grounds for believing there has been a violation of federal criminal law in the FBI and DOJ's handling of the Clinton investigation and has referred his findings of potential criminal misconduct to Huber for possible criminal prosecution. Now, Huber is the uh, U.S. attorney in Utah that Jeff Sessions appointed as special prosecutor. Special prosecutor is different than a special counsel. A special counsel is an outside entity appointed by Justice Department. A special prosecutor is a U.S. attorney, someone within Justice Department, uh, who's given the ability to work in a different district. They're pulled from where they work and put on some other, they're not pulled from where they work, but they're handed some other cases and given additional jurisdiction, geographical jurisdiction and scope jurisdiction uh, as per the attorney general. Now, this is a major development because we know something wasn't right in the way the FBI and DOJ handled the Hillary case. This could potentially bring in, well, it could have bring in James Comey, clearly, and Andrew McCabe. But now this brings in, excuse me, Loretta Lynch. This is very, very damning, very damning for Team Obama. And if I were Team Obama, I would be pretty concerned. I really would be. Now, we spoke a little bit uh, about... um, uh, the issues with what the FBI is doing on the show this week, using national security letters 
instead of subpoenas. And national security letters are concerning. I explained to you on the show yesterday because the FBI signs them in secrecy and can pretty much surveil Americans. <clears throat> and this is, uh, this is a troubling situation we're involved in here. We've got the former director of the FBI out there on a book tour. He's playing the victim. He's doing a lot of things to imply that he's the guy who was wronged. When in reality, it appears that the entire DOJ and FBI was weaponized against the, the Trump campaign on behalf of the Clinton campaign. We have John Brennan, the former CIA director, who we now know inserted parts of that unverified and salacious, as James Comey calls it, steel dossier. He inserted parts of that into Obama's presidential daily brief. Every day, the president gets the daily brief, and it really is a highly classified intelligence briefing of the most relevant things going on around the world and domestically that the president of the United States must know about. This is his daily brief. So he's up to speed on the really important stuff. And John Brennan was slipping in the Steele dossier, excerpts from the Steele dossier. I can't think of anything, anything worse than that. Can't think of anything worse than that. It's pretty damn ridiculous when you get down to it. But they're Democrats. They get away with it. And it, it really has undermined. It's really done a, 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 an incredible disservice to America that this thing has been going on. Enter in this moron, Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' lawyer. He's out there saying now there are two more women. We're finding out a lot of bad things about this guy. <clears throat> $8 million show up in his, shows up in his bank account right around uh, the time he took this case on. Nobody really knows what's going on, but it appears that Avenatti is in touch with uh, uh, some of Mueller's people, and it led to the Michael Cohen investigation. It's dirty. It's dirty. But what's going on in Mueller's second year? We're going in. Uh, yesterday was the anniversary of Mueller's first year. We're going into the second year. Well, what's really happening there? Well, the Associated Press is uh, they put out a story yesterday and they've got some speculation. They say, what is Mueller investigating? There's no doubt Mueller's investigation is far-reaching, but at its core, prosecutors have remained focused on two central questions. Did the Trump campaign collude with the Kremlin to tip the 2016 presidential election in the Republican candidate's favor? And has Trump tried to obstruct the investigation since taking office through actions including firing FBI Director James Comey and badging Attorney General Jeff Sessions over his recusal last March from the Russia probe? Both of these are stupid, dumb, idiotic, moronic, and ridiculous. No, there was no collusion. We know that. It is not obstruction of justice for a president to fire an FBI director. We've been over that ad nauseum on the show. The Obama administration's own 2011 memo reaffirms this. Badgering the attorney general is pretty much impossible when you're the president and the attorney general works for you. You can ask the attorney general whatever you want and tell him whatever you want for the most part. So another question the AP asks, who has been questioned so far? The answer, <clears throat> a veritable who's who of current and former White House officials as well as foreign businessmen and top campaign and transition staffers. Trump's son-in-law was questioned last fall, uh, and they go on and on, Don McGahn and Reitz Priebus and Hope Hicks and Steve Bannon and Tom Barak, Trump's friend, and blah, blah, blah. And that all yielded nothing. That all yielded nothing. Who has been charged? Well, we know. 
Manafort and Rick Gates on old financial crimes, General Flynn and Papadopoulos on bogus process crimes, and 13 Russian bots that may not exist. One of those, a company that we know doesn't exist. What have we, what have we learned so far? The criminal cases, this is from the AP again. The criminal cases so far have not resolved the core questions of Trump-Russia collusion. But they have revealed an interest by Russia to aid Trump's bid. And they've exposed the sometimes shadowy foreign entanglements maintained by Trump aides before, during, and after the campaign. That's laughable <clears throat> in light of the Clinton Foundation. It and everything about it. They're talking about foreign shady dealings with regards to people around Trump. Dig into the Clinton Foundation, Associated Press. There's a lot more, but uh, we've, we've gone over all, all through this. AP then asks, what's yet to come? The biggest unresolved question is whether Trump will sit for an interview with Mueller and what will happen if he does not. He should not. Trump at times has expressed the desire to be questioned by the special counsel's team. Well, he shouldn't do it. Now, we're also hearing today that Mueller is agreeing to limit the scope of Trump's questions. I think that's a trap. He should not. He should not. He absolutely should not. That's being uh, tweeted out by Ryan Saavedra from Daily Wire uh, via the Washington Times. Ryan tweeted, breaking special counsel Robert Mueller has agreed to narrow down the questions that he wants to ask Trump in an effort to get him to sit down for an interview. And that's from the Washington Times via Ryan Saavedra. Or I should say Ryan via the Washington Times. It's a perjury trap. It's an impeachment report trap. Trump should go nowhere near it. He should be nowhere near it. He shouldn't get close to it. He should stay on the other side of the country from it. <clears throat> Don't talk to Mueller. Mueller has already said he will not indict Trump. He cannot indict Trump. There is no reason for Trump to speak to Mueller. This probe has yielded nothing. It's nonsense. There is no there there. It needs to be shut down. And we need to get on to the business of investigating the people who really did wrong, who really colluded. James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Loretta Lynch, Barack Obama, Peter Stroke, Hillary Clinton, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Inspector General's report is coming out soon, and I suspect that it will be damning, damning for the Obama and Clinton administrations, for the FBI, the DOJ, and the CIA under John Brennan, under Obama. I can't wait for that report to come out. I'm going to bring you every detail of that report. We're going to go through it line by line, and I predict it's going to look very, very bad for Democrats and their cronies. So much going on this week. I, don't, I can't keep track, so I had to bring in my good buddy and fellow rebel, Amanda Head, to talk about it all. Amanda, big Friday, big week to recap here. All right, let's go through what we've got. We've got Mueller apparently telling Giuliani and Giuliani telling CNN, Fox News, whoever will listen, that Mueller won't indict Trump. We've got Donald Trump responding to the Fresno County Sheriff, Margaret Mims, clearly responding to her comment about MS-13, calling them animals. I think that's mild. And the left-wing media losing their minds, but then the Associated Press even backpedaling and saying, oops, maybe he did a mean to call MS-13 animals. We've got North Korea saying they're going to leave the summit, but they're saying now, well, the U.S. saying they're not going to leave. And we find out that Hillary Clinton is being paid a million bucks by the DNC to speak. She lost twice, a two-time loser, lost to Obama, lost in the general election. Apparently, if you lose twice, you get a million bucks. I should start losing. Apparently, winning. Yeah. Doesn't work. All right. Let's first start with the Mueller investigation. 
You've been following it. We've all been following it. Mueller now telling Giuliani that he will not indict the president. So my first question, right, as a former law enforcement guy, somebody who analyzes this is, why does Mueller need to continue on one more day? If President Trump can't be indicted, why continue on one more day? Trump should ignore Mueller, make believe he doesn't exist, not sit for an interview, not answer written questions. What do you think? You know, I think Mueller, um, I think he has a pretty close competition with Comey as far as arrogance. Oh, God, and, yes. you know, the, as far as the president not being able to be indicted, this is something we've known all along. You first have to start impeachment proceedings before you can indict a president. You can't indict him right. as he is in office because it's considered a distraction to the to the presidency and can can harm the country. Um, so we've known this all along. So, I mean, it's just it's the same conversation we keep having over and over about why continue and why the you know, the scope was this. And now it's like. It's it's beyond the reach of a morbidly obese person, it's you know, ridiculous. and now I'm seeing new uh, information. Uh, uh, Ryan Saavedra from Daily Wire. Ryan's usually pretty spot on is I uh, put on Twitter about uh, uh, well, last night at some point. Put it up on Twitter. Oh, I guess about four o'clock Eastern time yesterday that Robert Mueller agreed to narrow down questions that he wants to ask Trump if Trump would sit with him. And he was referencing apparently a Washington Times piece. I still wouldn't sit with him. This just tells me that Mueller is even more desperate to get Trump into his perjury trap. Look, I, I have no business speaking on legal matters. I've, I have not gone to law school, but I don't think that it takes a legal mind to know that no, President Trump, you should not be sitting down with him for any manner of time or reason. No, absolutely not, right? And it's a waste of time. As we have seen all along, Mueller is not going to find anything. We are on the, the one-year anniversary of them opening this investigation, and, and they haven't found anything yet. All right, yet. You're, you're from Alabama. You're from, Al you're from Alabama, Amanda. You, you know Jeff Sessions. What is he doing? I don't know. I mean, I think you and I have talked about this off air before. When... When he was appointed, I had really, really high hopes. He, he's a bulldog in the state of Alabama. Um, yeah, he yeah, did he a was. lot of incredible things. He prosecuted a lot of a lot of people that other people wouldn't touch. Um, but he, I, I don't, I don't know if he's tired in his old age Could or be, right. Yeah, I think that's what it is. He's just exhausted, and he realized how deep this swamp yeah, I mean, He's probably just utterly exhausted. Could be. I mean, that's what my takeaway is. He got there, saw how deep all the problems run, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't have the will to fight it. He just, he doesn't want to go through the exercise of fighting. And, and frankly, you can't really blame the guy. No, listen, it's a nightmare. And a lot of the people that he might have to prosecute, people that he sat with for 35 years and he was friendly with, I mean, he was the wrong pick. He was the wrong pick because he was part of the establishment that was trying to take out Trump. It really was. Now, all right, I got to go to the big story here that's making me smile. The DNC is about to pay Hillary Clinton a million dollars to speak what in the world do they think they're going to get for their million bucks this is like and not to get too personal but this is like that relationship that everybody has probably once in their life where you keep going back to the really really bad ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend it's an abusive relationship yeah um, um but the dnc all right so we we know that Hillary, we know from Donna Brazile's book that Hillary was basically controlling the purse strings during the course of the presidential election. She's controlling the whole damn party. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like the DNC at this point, um, the way that they are getting manhandled and, and bruised and their bank account is being shattered by her at this point, the DNC logo needs to be a donkey like on all fours just bending over. It's, oh, it's terrible. 
A million and bucks so to this woman. I Googled that image to try to find a mock-up for the new DNC logo, and you can't imagine what Google search provided me. Oh, I'm sure I can. When I Googled donkey bending over, it wasn't donkeys, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Why would you be Googling that? I, I'm going to laugh the day you get home. I want to help the DNC and help them. Uh, I am so them I am, am going to love it. The day you get home and guys in windbreakers are hauling out your laptop in a plastic bag. It is going to be a glorious, <laughs> glorious day for me when I get that phone call. No, but, but all kidding aside, look, this is, this tells me that the DNC knows they have nobody on the bench, right? You've got Tom Perez, the chairman, who looks like a, I don't know, he looks like a junkie, this guy. I'm, I'm sorry, he does. He looks like the junkies I used to lock up in the Bronx. He's all gaunt and kind of looks thuggish. You've got Keith Ellison, who never met a radical Muslim he didn't love. He's a buddy of Farrakhan. They run the party. Yeah, and these are, the the same, these are the same people who have been, not necessarily explicitly saying, but alluding to the fact that they would like for some younger chickens to get the spotlight and for Hillary to go away. I hate to go back to the relationship analogy again, but it's like that person who breaks up with someone and they're like, oh, I can find somebody better and come to find out they can't, so they go back to them. Right, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hillary has no message anymore, right? Her entire platform is basically telling you that the only reason you have opinions is because I allow you to speak on my show because you're a lowly woman who, who can't fend for yourself and you need men to yeah, feed you, you and clothe you and pay you. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pathetic. It's pathetic. What do you think, if anything, we're going to hear new from Hillary? I, I think, you know, every time she does a speaking engagement and she comes out with a new excuse, I think to myself, all right, this has got to be it. Like she's got to, she has to have exhausted her list of excuses. Um, I think that she's probably going to talk about more reasons why she didn't win, blaming it on, on white people and rednecks and deplorables and, and all that. But I <laughs> says the I, white I, woman I, from Arkansas, right? But she's also, she's going to try to find a way to spin things that 80% of America sees as really, really good things. Uh, you know, most notably last week, capturing five top ISIS officials, bringing home three prisoners from North Korea. She's going to attempt to spin those things the way, yeah. the, basically the way she did all along. All of the things that she did that were detrimental to our country during her time as Secretary of State, the same way that she spun those things, she's going to try to do that again. But doesn't that backfire on her, Amanda? You're out. Look, you have, you have the show of here on The Rebel. You have the show here on The Rebel. You do spokesperson work for large organizations. You travel to the country. You're in D.C. You're talking to voters, mostly conservative like me, but we talk to people on both sides of the aisle. The working independent, the blue dog working Democrat, they're tired of that message. They don't want to hear it anymore. They're, they have money in their paychecks. They can take their families on vacation. They don't want to hear Hillary whining on about identity politics. Yeah, a, a woman who, who I perform singing gigs with, who is a bleeding heart liberal, she voted for Hillary Clinton. She was all about, you know, she had like the H sticker on her car and all that kind of stuff. And even she has said to me a few times in the last couple months, we really just need her to go away. Because yeah, nobody's you know, with her anymore. She's a tall tree that is soaking yeah. up all of the sunshine. And, you know, people are saying this blue wave that's coming in November. I don't I, I don't see it. I don't see that it. And I'm, yeah. Decreasing. Yeah. I don't see it, Amanda. I mean, you and I look, we're friends. We talk offline. And I tell you the same thing. We talk about the same stuff offline that we are on right here. I don't see it. I just I talk to people. I do not see Democrats. They might pick up a seat here and there. But I think we pick up seats in the U.S. Senate. I think we retain the House. Let's talk about the Democrats for a second. Who in the world do they have on their bench for 2020? I mean, are they going to try to recycle Hillary and Biden? Is that what the party of youth is going to do? 
I hope so. That would be fantastic. Honestly, with- I want them to bring Harry Reid and his eye patch back. That would really be fitting. The nonsensical moves that they are making right now, as far as, you know, you've got people within the DNC who refuse to denounce Louis Farrakhan. Right, um, right. All of these, these terrible decisions that they seem to be making, I wouldn't be surprised if Bernie Sanders doesn't die by then, if they throw him back on the ballot. Oh, no, throw him back on the ballot. His career, then he'll be... <laughs> His career will be slightly better than Tupac's at that point because the only thing Tupac hasn't done since he's been dead is run for president. He's they pretty much done hide. everything else. Instead of having uh, the presidential doctor, like like what's his name at the VA, they're going to have to Ronnie hire Jackson. a doctor who's more uh, more in tune with hospice responsibility. Yeah, the presidential undertaker for Bernie Sanders. For <laughs> the presidential coroner is going to be on staff at the White House. Who's just a hospice nurse. <laughs> the hospice nurse and a truckload of depends for the Secret Service. It's going to be awesome. No, really, they've got nobody on the bench, right? I mean, think about it. Who do they have? They wanted Julian Castro. He was an epic flop. They thought Cory Booker was going to be the savior. But the fact of the matter is Cory Booker, uh, the New York Police Department, under the tenure of Cory Booker as mayor, had more civil rights lawsuits for abusing black defendants than at any time in the New York PD's history. So there goes Booker. We and Cory Booker, personality-wise, has not done well for himself during all of these... No. Um, appointment hearings and such. He's not done well for himself. I hear I hear Kamala or Kamala Harris. I hear her name thrown out there, but I think shockingly she is far too left. You know what uh, somebody told me though? I was talking to somebody about this the other day and they made a good point. They said, don't be surprised. And it would be formidable if you see a Joe Manchin, Kamala Harris ticket. That ideologically, they're nowhere close. No, but it's what the party would want. And ideologically, they are nowhere close. So you get both camps of the Democrats. You get those blue dogs and then you bring in those radicals. Now, would Manchin pick a Kamala Harris as his VP? I don't know, but politically, it makes sense. You've got California, you've got West Virginia, you've got coal country, you have environmentalists. It's, it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting dichotomy, but it's an amalgamation of, you know, first on the ticket and second on the ticket. You know, people reasonably minded people know that the vice president signs on for the president's agenda. Right. People who are all worried about Mike Pence and his alleged, not true, anti-gay bias um, are so worried about him. And it's like, he's the vice president. He signs on for Donald Trump's agenda, not the That's other right. way around. Right. So I, I don't know how that would work out. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know that Joe Manchin really carries the popularity uh, with, with people on the far left. Neither to, did a state senator from Illinois who was only in the U.S. Senate for two years that nobody had ever heard of, whose name sounded like he was one of the 9-11 hijackers, and he wound up a two-term president. I don't put anything past marketing anymore. Nor do I. It's powerful. No, I, I really, I really, really don't. All right. Now, let's move on. So many stories. North Korea. They're saying they're not going to come to the table. I believe they are. They were complaining about Operation Max Thunder the joint military training exercise that had been planned years, years back. U.S. gave them a little concession. We took the B-52 and ADF-22 Raptors out of the exercises that seems to have placated those maniacs. Do you think there's going to be a summit? I do. Yes, uh, and these are exercises that they've been doing for a long time. So for yeah, them, decades. Yeah. they've all of a sudden got a B in their bonnet, and it's not because they genuinely have a B in their bonnet over it. It's because someone, I guess, finally translated the art of the deal into Korean, and I guess he finally read it but here's the thing we have we have the guy negotiating with them who literally wrote the book on deal making donald trump is not going anywhere he, he 
North Korea has everything to lose. So everything to lose, everything to lose. The summit will take place. Um, and, and I'm hopeful. Yeah, look, it's going to take place. And, and at the end of the day, China's going to do what they do, which is why, why we're, why we're giving this deal to ZTE, despite all the same intelligence agencies that said Donald Trump colluded with Russia being afraid of ZTE. By the way, let's talk about that for a second. So you see that everybody's hysterical. Christopher Ray is saying, I can't believe Donald Trump is going to let Chinese cellular ZTE into the United States with all the warnings we've had. Christopher Ray needs to go away. I'm sorry. He says this on the heels of us learning that the FBI used national security letters, not even subpoenas overseen by a prosecutor, let alone FISA warrants overseen by a judge, self-generated national security letters, presumably signed by Andrew McCabe, because the deputy director could sign them to spy on the cell phones of the Trump campaign. And he has the audacity to talk about a Chinese cell phone he doesn't, company. He doesn't carry much weight when it comes to national security no. issues pertaining to ZTE. No, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is so silly. They use these, you know, think about that for a second. I mean, they, the FBI can write letters, sign those letters in the secrecy of the FBI building. They don't have to tell you why this national security letter was generated. They don't have to tell you what's in it. They don't have to tell you the parameters, the scope of the letter. And this letter is, is essentially equivalent to a subpoena. It allows them to grab up a lot of our personal information. Every America should find, every American should find this chilling. Honestly, this is this is just one more nail in the coffin for the FBI. I'm sure you saw that article about John Brennan actually oh, yeah. inserting pieces of the dossier into the yeah, daily. Yeah, so for, when he was brief. CIA director, inserting pieces of the dossier into the president's daily brief. Amanda, Our that is beyond bad. They're hurting across the board. No, but that was beyond bad because I mean, here's what I don't believe about that story. I don't believe Obama didn't know what he was getting, and I don't believe Obama was duped by Brennan into believing that this was all valid CIA intelligence. Yeah, there are a lot of things I don't like about Obama, but he's not stupid. No, not at all. He's one of the most conniving, cunning guys out there. I believe he knew full well, and it was with his consent and at his urging, that those items went into the presidential daily brief. I, I firmly, firmly believe that. All right, so we tackled Hillary getting a million bucks. We talked about Mueller. We talked about North Korea. I know there's one I'm missing. I know there's one I'm missing. What am I missing here? Uh, oh, IG report. IG report. So, right. So and AP. The, right. So the Associated, the Associated Press walked back their, uh, Associated Press walked back their statement, on Twitter anyway, about Trump calling illegal aliens animals. Associated Press, I'll paraphrase, and they said, look, we deleted our tweet because yeah. it was pretty clear that he was talking about MS-13. So let's talk about the way that this was reported. Okay, so ABC News, The New York Times, NBC News, Associated Press, CBS News, CNN, and even C-SPAN reported this inaccurately because they didn't include the context that he was talking about MS-13 games. To the sheriff who specifically referenced MS-13. She spoke to him. She got to the period in her sentence. He replied. She said MS-13 with the sheriff was saying, Margaret Mims. She's very frustrated because she can't report MS-13 gangbangers to ICE. Yeah, and then he proceeds to talk about how who they were just talking about are right. animals. It's, right. So anyway, so they all reported this the same way, which was out of context and implying that he was talking about immigrants as a whole. The AP was the only one who issued a redaction or a correction, but this was their correction. They tweeted... Tw 24 hours later, so it took them 24 hours to figure out that it was poor reporting, and they said AP has deleted a tweet from late Wednesday on Trump's animals' comments about immigrants because it wasn't made clear that he was speaking after a comment about gang members. So that's your correction a day later? 
it's it's very inadequate and it, it certainly it certainly is now and yesterday it, and it was even funnier to see the celebrity comments that ensued i mean these people you want to talk about the most idiotic dishonest egg on your face people Kathy Griffin and and whoever else, Andy. Kathy uh, Griffin is an American treasure. You leave her alone. She is oh, one of the, yeah, she's uh, just an American treasure. No, these people are beside themselves because they, along with the lunatic like Louise Mensch and, and John Schindler and all these other people out there in the fringe media, they were convinced Trump was going to jail, that there were all these conspiracies going on. They're very disappointed that they're... Uh, that their conspiracy theories turn out not to be true. Speaking of that, Breitbart yesterday reported, here it is, report, Inspector General will declare that FBI and DOJ broke law on the Clinton email probe. Now, yesterday I saw the tweet from Paul Sperry. Sperry was formerly the, uh, let's see, let me pull this up here. He was the former DC bureau chief for Investors Business Daily, and now he's a Hoover Institution media fellow. So this is not some random guy. Barry tweeted yesterday, breaking, I.G. Horowitz has found, quote, reasonable grounds, end quote, for believing there has been a violation of federal criminal law in the FBI DOJ's handling of the Clinton investigation and has referred his findings of potential criminal misconduct to Huber, a special prosecutor from Utah, uh, the U.S. attorney in Utah that Jeff Sessions appointed as special prosecutor, for possible criminal prosecution. Breitbart apparently was able to verify this because they're reporting it. They are reporting this as a Breitbart story out. Yeah, so lest we forget that, okay, so so the Inspector General's report is due to come out this month at some point. Uh, right. And lest we forget that this report was at the request and behest of Democrats back in January 2017. And the Inspector General was appointed by Obama, Michael Right. Uh, but, you know, McCabe was fired because the Inspector General preliminary findings said that he he lacked candor but i think that when the when the full report comes out mccabe's lacking candor is going to be the, <laughs> the least, least of their problems the least and, of their problem. and the least of his problems the least of mccabe's problems will be stacking chips from his book revenue because i think he's going to need that for legal fees oh comey's going to need a lot of money for legal fees but but this really underscores the bigger issue right the complete this will this will finalize america's erosion of confidence in the FBI and the Department of Justice. Jeff Sessions and Christopher Ray said idly by silently don't do a thing. I yeah. do not understand this. And and it stinks because you've got 95% of those agencies, uh, you know, the rank and file people who go to work every day and the do their people yeah. are really, really good, honest, diligent people. And, you know, they, they are suffering because of the reputation of their superiors. No, it's tragic. This is absolutely tragic. It's a terrible, terrible thing. So what do you think, Amanda? How are we looking in the midterms? Who do you like? Uh, let's see. The pack that I represent, we're supporting Marsha Blackburn. I love her. She's she's a sweetheart. And she's, she's hardcore, too. I like Marsha Blackburn. Yeah, she lives very near to where I was actually, where I grew up in Nashville. Um, who else? I don't know. I think we, I'm kind of waiting to see closer to time. And I feel like I'm going to need some R&R when we get back from our rebel trip in Israel. Oh, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to hit the ground running because it'll be just a few months out from midterms. So. Oh, man, the midterms are happening. We had the Pennsylvania primaries yesterday. Some strong Republicans won. Our buddy Scott Ulinger didn't, unfortunately. But Lou Barletta did. He won the nomination for Senate. Scott Wagner did for governor. I think we're in a pretty good place with the candidates we have in these districts And you're seeing a pattern of people who 
who are either officially backed by President Trump or who President Trump has spoken fondly of. You're seeing a trend of these people being successful in their primaries. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. Amanda Head, one of our fellow rebels. Thanks as always, my friend. Thank you. Trump derangement syndrome has hit a fever pitch. You see it out there on social media. Liberals, even establishment Republicans, are beside themselves. They still can't come to terms with the fact that Trump won the election. We're coming up on two years, two years since Election Day 2016. We're about six months away. And and many in the establishment on both sides of the political aisle are losing their minds by the day because Trump is actually doing a great job as president. He's proving all his critics wrong and proving all of us who supported him very, very right. Well, now it's reached a new level. Right down here in South Florida, in Miami, about 35 minutes from where the studio sits, is, of course, Trump National Doral. It's a big resort, a golf club, a country club. It's a beautiful place. One of the best golf courses in the nation. Well, apparently, a man who was yelling what is quoted to be anti-Trump sentiment was arrested after exchanging gunfire with police officers, police officers from the Doral, Doral's its own city as well, the Doral Police Department. I've got friends in, in that department. It's a very nice town. The Doral Police Department in Miami-Dade, the county police. He exchanged gunfire with them in the lobby. Now, luckily, as the police put it, they neutralized him. I don't believe they killed him. He's under arrest before he could injure anyone. Uh, local outlets ran the story. This from Fox News. This yellow caution tape was seen stretched across the main gate of the Trump National Doral Golf Club Friday morning following the overnight rampage in which the shooter identified as a 42-year-old Doral resident, Jonathan Odie, burst into the property for unknown reasons and draped an American flag over a lobby counter while spraying bullets. This guy was ready for war. He was waiting for our officers to come in. That's from Juan Perez, the director of the Miami-Dade Police Department. This is uh, uh, just terrible, absolutely terrible. Uh, Perez said that, the suspect, Odie, was yelling, quote, yelling and spewing some information about President Trump. It was anti-Trump sentiment. And he was eventually neutralized in a shootout, suffering uh, multiple gunshot wounds to the legs, in stable condition, under arrest, obviously. Eric Trump put out a tweet, the president's son, who is, is an executive in the Trump organization and the group that oversees the hotel. Eric Trump tweeted, a huge thank you to the incredible men and women of the Doral Police Department and Miami-Dade PD. Every day they could keep our community safe. We are very grateful to you. These are good departments uh, as far as uh, policing goes. The Rao PD, very professional organization, Miami-Dade PD, large organization. They were on scene very, very quickly, did a great job, neutralized the shooter, and saved lives. No innocents were hurt. Now, what they say is that it appears he was trying to engage the police in an ambush-style attack. He was prepared. He prepared the area for battle. And Perez, the director of Miami-Dade Police, accurately, accurately said, quote, in my opinion, they probably saved a hell of a lot of lives today because this could have gone a lot worse. And the call for the active shooter came in at about 1.30 a.m. this morning. And uh, it's, uh, Doral is a small city. They're very well funded. Large corporations in Doral, U.S. Southern Command is in Doral. Carnival Cruise Lines is in Doral. Nationals in Doral. So the police department, for a smaller department, very well funded, very well trained. They have their pick of the better cops who apply. 
uh, great equipment, brand new cars. They were on scene immediately, immediately, as were uh, officers, officers from Miami-Dade PD. They did an outstanding textbook job in responding here. And I have to agree with Director Perez, they saved a lot of lives. They saved a lot of lives. And it's really encouraging when the director of a police agency backs his officers, his officers to the wall like this. Because bet your bottom dollar, they're going to be some on the left saying, oh, the man was probably mentally ill and they should have used stun guns. No, they should have engaged him with gunfire and took him down like they did. Now, the Secret Service is, of course, involved because this is a property owned by the president's family. A Doral officer, one was injured. He suffered a broken wrist, probably diving out of the way of gunfire, but he's going to be fine. Uh, the Secret Service issued a statement, quote, the U.S. Secret Service is aware of the shooting that took place early this morning at the Trump National Doral Golf Club in Doral, Florida. Special agents from the Miami field office are on scene and working closely with our law enforcement partners. Now, Trump purchased the property, Trump Organization, back in 2012. Uh, great place. I've been around many times. Food is excellent, beautiful golf course, and uh, it's a really, really sprawling, sprawling, beautiful property. In fact, uh, back when I was in the private sector, I had my uh, office in Doral. Well, it's right across the street from Carnival Cruise Lines when I was doing work tracking uh, sex offenders and tariff fundraising online. My office was within eyeshot of the hotel. If I walked up to the main road, 87th Avenue, I could see the uh, hotel. I would go there for lunch often. I had a lot of friends who played golf there. So it's a place I've spent a lot of time, not a place you expect this to happen by any means, uh, by any means. It's a uh, just what bad things happen everywhere. That's why carry a firearm wherever you're legally allowed to do so, because these things happen. People are unhinged. They're hysterical. But this is just one more in a long line of violence against conservatives, against people that support the president. For Republicans, of course, you remember the congressional baseball game when a leftist, a Bernie Sanders supporting leftist, shot at uh, Congress people, nearly killing Representative Steve Scalise. He had many months in the hospital and of therapy. Luckily, he's back to work now, and uh, he's okay. But it could have turned out far, far worse, as it could have in Doral. And so, you know, stay frosty, watch your six, keep an eye open. And uh, man, it's it's getting dangerous out there. It's it's pretty sad, right? As this president succeeds, there are lunatics out there that want to go shoot up hotels, and 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 uh, engage the police because of their hatred for the persons duly elected and sitting in the Oval Office. Really, very tragic. As much as I'm a fan of President Trump, and I think he is, is artfully executing his agenda, keeping campaign promises, one of the places the Trump White House has fallen down are with the leakers. Now, Reince Priebus and Katie Walsh, uh, Priebus's deputy, were forced out. They were the most notorious leakers leaking to Maggie Haberman from the New York Times, their departures from the White House. I'll confirm that, but it was an open secret in D.C. in our media circles. They were known leakers. They had a longtime relationship with Haberman, someone who's very critical of the president. Well, another Fox News story here. White House comms purge likely imminent after leaks. Senior staff warn in closed-door meeting. And this needs to happen. Now, this, of course, all comes on the heel of Kelly Sadler, Someone in the communications office who, uh, I, I, Kelly Sadler's job, from what I understand, was, was running the surrogates, those people that you see out there in the media, uh, helping spread the messaging of the White House, not official staffers, people who are on the advisory committees, things of that nature. And her job was to manage them. And in behind closed doors, 
she uh, said about John McCain that his opinion on Gina Haspel, the CIA nominee, who was confirmed yesterday by the Senate, by the way, Gina Haspel was ultimately confirmed. We have a CIA director. I like Gina Haspel because she's tough on terror. I'm concerned because she was so close to John Brennan. President Trump picked her. Mike Pompeo, who I do trust, our Secretary of State, former CIA director, likes Gina Haspel. <clears throat> President Trump seems to like her, so I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Well, Sadler was overheard talking about uh, John McCain's opposition to Gina Haspel, and she said his opinion is irrelevant because, quote, he's dying anyway. That uh, came last week. And, and the problem was mainstream media seized on that. I was watching, I, I typically watch the White House daily press briefing with Sarah Huckabee Sanders or Raj Shah, <clears throat> if Sarah's not around. And the, uh, the other day, the media asked eight questions about Kelly Sadler's statement on John McCain. Sadler had already apologized to the McCain family. Media asked eight questions. They asked one on North Korea, and they asked one on Hamas infiltrating the border in, in Israel uh, through Gaza. Eight questions about a benign comment, maybe an off-color comment, but a benign comment from a White House staffer behind closed doors. Now, the leaks are uh, getting out of control and they're compromising the presidency. And most of those leaking, from what I'm being told by sources inside the White House, and you watch the show, you know my information turns out to be right now. I can't confirm that any of this is accurate, but what I'm told and what I've suspected for almost two years now, that many of these leaks are from the holdovers. See, Donald Trump, when he came in, was such an, uh, an anti-establishment candidate. He unseated those 17 people in the primary, all of whom had ties to the establishment Republican Party, the RNC, under Ranks Priebus. And when Trump came in office, he, uh, the RNC reluctantly provided him with some money and some ground game support, volunteers, get out the vote efforts, all those things, people knocking on doors and handing out pamphlets and palm cards, all those things you need to win an election. And so the give back to the RNC for finally and reluctantly helping him was he had a key, you know, bring some people on that they wanted. And he brought these establishment people who were really rabid never-Trumpers prior to him bringing them into the administration. These people were not Trump fans. In fact, they were really critical of this president. Well, he brought them in anyway, despite some oil campaign staffers saying not to do it. He did it. And he really didn't have a choice. Those have all turned out to be the leakers. Those, many of those people, and pretty much exclusively those people, are the ones who have already been let go for leaking. But there are still many of them inside the White House. And I predict that's who's leaking. So Trump issued a tweet uh, this week. He said, the so-called leaks coming out of the White House are a massive over-exaggeration put out by the fake news media in order to make us look as bad as possible. With that being said, Leakers are traitors and cowards, and we will find out who they are. So he is right. The leaks are nowhere, uh, nowhere near as bad as they were under Ranks Priebus and Katie Walsh. Far better since General Kelly came in. But you still got these staffers, like the ones in the meeting with Kelly Sadler, who leaked the information. Now, this news comes as senior officials from Fox News and the White House Communications Office have decided to cancel the large morning comms teams meeting, meetings attended by lower-ranking staffers in an apparent effort to clamp down on links. Quote, periodically we streamline our operations to better communicate the president's message, end quote. Deputy White House Press Secretary Lindsey Walters said in a statement about the restructuring of the meetings. I've had my own dealings with Lindsey Walters. She was very close to Katie Walsh. Lindsey Walters is one of those people who was an establishment holdover from the Katie Walsh era. So I'll reserve judgment on Lindsey Walters. 
The uncertainty and tension has led several junior staffers and even some top staffers in the communications department to look for an exit, according to White House sources. But finding good landing spots outside the Trump White House has been difficult. Well, that's because, A, you're not perceived as liberal enough to go work for CNN or ABC. And B, if you're leaking, who's going to trust you? Who is going to trust you? Now, apparently, the warnings to the staff that there was going to be a purge of the communications group inside the White House were delivered pretty much from the top, uh, not by Donald Trump himself, but by Chief of Staff John uh, Kelly and Trump's close advisor, Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway was uh, out on Fox News the other day, and when she was asked if there were going to be staff changes, she said yes. She was not pulling any punches. And this needs to happen because you... You can't effectively run an organization, let alone the White House, with leakers. You can't run a law firm during a litigation with leaks, but we're talking about the White House. We're talking about national security. We're talking about the most secretive secrets in this, in the world, in many respects. Most secretive secrets in our government. I mean, literally, the, where our nuclear sites are, where our troops are deployed, who our uh, um, non-official cover operatives, intelligence operatives are. There is very, very critical information <clears throat> being passed around in the White House every day, information that could get people killed or it leaked, and we're seeing far too many leaks. In fact, everything is, is far too leaky. Mueller's investigation should be shut down because of the leaks alone. James Comey, the FBI director, leaked memos. Andrew McCabe leaked. People are so hysterical, so unhinged, much like I was talking about in the previous segment with the shooter at Trump Doral, that they would rather leak to destroy this president if they can't destroy him by some mechanical method, by some procedural method. If they can't destroy him, they can't destroy his presidency by using law, procedure, and the Constitution, which they can't because he's been a great president, has done nothing wrong. Well, then they're going to try to assassinate his character, to destroy his reputation to the point where his situation will be untenable and he won't be able to continue on as president, <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to fail as well. And so it really is long past time to make an example of these leakers. We need to shut these leaks down. These leakers need to be publicly identified and they need to be criminally prosecuted. And if they can't be criminally prosecuted, civilly sued for violating their non-disclosure rights.